Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, experts who teach smart people how not to get scammed online. Lawyers and doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, all kinds of professionals that you would think would know better. And they don't because it's, that's why it's social engineering because they know how to get to prey on our fears. I've talked in the past about the digital divide that exists between people that have no opportunity to get at technology and people that do, but there's another digital divide, which is what happens when you have highly educated people who frankly just haven't learned how to use technology. Pam Holland is joining me in the studio. She's a founder of a company called Tech Moxie, which wins the award for best company name in today's show. And I really am glad you're here because I know from my own experience, being a management information service specialist for a lot of my family members, that not everybody understands to use technology. You're trying to address that issue, aren't you? Yes, I am. So Tech Moxie, I started about four years ago, and it's a very common story, I think, where there was a need and I kind of stepped into it. Uh, my mom was wanting to learn how to use an iPad, and I got her an iPad, and I was helping her and some of her friends, and I would go into the Apple store in Bethesda and see people coming in and asking these questions, and I thought, hmm, there's really a need for this. And so I started Tech Moxie, and it's been growing ever since. I get the feeling, and I feel this way every time I can't get a computer to do what I want it to do, that the industry sells these things like they're toasters. And right. they're not toasters. No, they're not. And in fact, each one is different. And then the systems change, and you go from an Apple to an Android, and it's completely different. Even our TV remotes and Netflix and all of the different services we use are created by a developer who has his or her idea of what it should look like. So we're using so many different systems, and it's completely different than the toaster or a, the old telephone we would get from Ma Bell and would plug into the wall. And there were only like three different designs for the telephone. And it was a big deal when we went from push button, from rotary to push button. So tell me, what is it like to work with somebody who's really, really accomplished in life and just has no idea how to use technology? Do you, I mean, in some ways, are you a more a psychologist than you're a, a technologist? Oh, I definitely offer psych psychological support for those who are frustrated with the technology. Sometimes uh, a client of mine might think that they're literally losing their mind because they can't remember steps mm. when they're not. They may need just the, the courage. I work with women who are maybe going back to work after staying at home or folks who have retired and always had office support. So a lot about, about what I do is building confidence. Give me some examples of the type of clients you work with and what some of the challenges are they've had to overcome. So, for example, I've, I've worked with folks who have always had secretarial support, and they were not the one to get up and go make the copy at the Xerox machine. So that was great until they were cut loose and then they're home and they have to figure out what to do when their email doesn't work or they need a password reset. So for people like that, I might be starting with the basics and educating. So what I do is a combination of fixing and showing at the same time. So when I work with a client and I have to do password resets or show them how to get onto the cloud, I do it, but I do it in a way that's also teaching. Do you think that our society really is focused enough on digital literacy? I know we, we really focus on making sure everybody knows how to read and write and do basic arithmetic, but digital literacy, I mean, if you can't understand how this technology works, how can you participate? That is absolutely true. And I've seen that with older adults, younger adults, people who are of limited means and they just don't have the money to buy the devices and they're not on as much. Um, so that hits everybody. And I think 
digital literacy is really a misnomer now, or at least what people think it is. To me, digital literacy, I, I guess, let me start. I work with clients who think that they have to understand how every device works and every app, and it's about remembering where the steps are and what they have to do. And actually, digital digital good digital, <laughs> digital literacy now is about looking at the menu and reading the breadcrumbs that are there on an app or device. So my kids don't remember everything about a particular type of technology, but they know where to look. Interesting. Do you think it's because uh, those of us that are older, we, we were educated at a time where education was list building, you know, process memorization, and technology, if you talk with a technologist and they design a user interface, they're not thinking about a process. Maybe they should, but they don't, right? It's 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 menus and you should figure it out. They, they put a lot on the user, I think. There's an awful lot put on the user. And there's so much more depth and breadth in, in terms of the types of technology that are there. So I use an analogy and I say, you know, if you're an older adult and I say, let's say boomer and up, you grew up in a time where you could fix a car. And even if you didn't change your oil, you had a basic idea of the concept. And pretty much every car you could open the hood and figure out where the oil when came out, whatever. I've never changed oil, so mm -hmm. I don't really know. Um, but today, you don't know that. So I could look at my phone, and I have no idea what the inner workings are. I have probably 50 different apps on my phone, and they all work a little differently. So rather than learning each app and each piece of technology, I teach sort of the big picture. You go into an app, you're going to see icons. Those are the breadcrumbs. So kind of refocusing people from thinking they have to memorize everything about a device to showing them how to get the information once they're in there. And in that's effect, the difference. In effect, it's the same for me when I think about a car. I, don't, I may know how to change my oil. I wouldn't know how to change my spark plugs or balance my tires, but I know how to drive. Right, exactly. And, and I give people analogies who are, who are really more tech hesitant than others. And I say, if you go to someone's house for dinner and you need to go to the bathroom, you need the restroom, you know it's, there's probably one on the first floor. You have an idea that it might be off the front hall. You're not positive, and you can ask. You're not expected, nor would you not go to that person's house because you didn't know where the bathroom was before you got there. Mm -hmm. And then they usually laugh, and they get it. And I say technology is the same thing. It's every time you go into a different app or piece of software or device. I know that you have a lot of a lot of concern and interest about uh, how technology preys on older people. Mm -hmm. Fishing, for example. What, what are your thoughts about that? It, it makes me very angry, actually, because it's older adults, younger adults. It pretty much can hit anyone across the board. Uh, there's a, a scam that's been around for years where you're on your computer and all of a sudden a pop-up opens and you can't close it. And it got worse in that the pop-up now talks to you. And so you might be making a cup of tea and you hear your computer yell, don't touch anything. You know, you're in danger. Call this number. And clients call the number, pay $400 to do X, Y, and Z fake stuff on the computer. What's interesting to me is that it is not the most vulnerable adults. I've had that scam um, be played against younger clients of mine, lawyers and doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, all kinds of professionals that you would think would know better. And they don't because it's, that's why it's social engineering because they know how to get to prey on our fears. So nobody should feel down on themselves if they find technology intimidating or if they get scammed. Right. Well, Pam, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. And folks, if you're interested in making sure that the little man inside that little box in your desk speaks to you properly, I think you want to check out Tech Moxie. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun.
Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. And a thank you to our sponsor, Montgomery County Economic Development Corporation. Their business development team can help you find the best talent, an ideal location, and the latest in market and business intelligence so you can do business successfully in the greater Washington region and Montgomery County. Your business success starts with MCEDC. Connect with them at thinkmoco.com. Support for this podcast comes from University of Maryland Smith School of Business, where students learn to harness data to meet tomorrow's challenges. More information about the Smith School MBA program is available at rhsmith.umd.edu. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan. Our online writer is Barbara Ulrich. Music provided by two D.C. region bands, Two Car Living Room and The Sunbathers. And let us know who you think we should be talking to on the show. Tweet us at at What's Working DC. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening. <laughs>